Hi everyone, my name is Essen and you are listening to the Brown History Podcast. Today we're sitting with the award-winning Canadian documentary filmmaker Nisha Pahuja. Her documentaries include Diamond Road, The World Before Her, and her most recent is To Kill a Tiger. Thanks to the Toronto International Film Festival, I got to see the documentary and they organized this talk. So thank you to them and a special thank you to Nandita Dutta from TIFF. If you haven't seen the documentary, that's okay. We introduce the documentary and we explain what the documentary is about right off the bat. So this way you can follow and understand what we're talking about. And I think that covers everything. So let's get started. Here we go. Thank you for coming. Uh, it's an honor. I watched the documentary the other day with my wife and, and it really was eye-opening. And before we get this started, I think we should briefly explain what the documentary is so that the listeners know the context of it. And if you don't mind, do you mind if I try to give it a shot and you can correct me if uh, or add something in if you want? Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. Okay, well, the documentary is called To Kill a Tiger, and it takes place in a village in India where everybody knows everybody, and there's a 13-year-old girl who is brutally raped by three boys who look like they're 17, 18 years old, and there's a camera crew that follows the father of the girl as he struggles to get justice, and it sounds like a very uh, simple story, good guy versus bad guy, evil versus good story, but it's actually really complex, and, and it really makes you think, and we'll get into that after. So... And I also want to add that uh, Nisha, my guest, who is in front of me right now, um, she's Indian and she grew up in Canada. So she knows the language and she knows the culture. So this isn't a documentary that's made from a Eurocentric perspective that exploits poverty and, and makes everybody look like they're backwards and, you know, we're the smart ones. So it's not like that. So, so that's why this is a really cool uh, documentary to watch. Uh, and my first question, well, first of all, was that good? It was It was really good. I'll just, I'll just say... Um uh, one correction. Sure. So uh, the men that raped uh, that raped the young girl uh, range in age from 18 to their early 30s. Okay. Okay. How did the story come to you? Like, how do you find a story like this? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I was actually following the work of you know the activists that are that are in the film. Um, the social Amit, workers. That's right. So Amit and Mahindra Kumar. Um, I was actually following them, and I was following them for. Uh, I was going to follow them for three and a half years, which is essentially what happened. Um, and they were they were running a program in Charkand in thirty villages across Charkand, working with men and boys, trying to get men and boys to sort of redefine masculinity. Mm. And, you know, the the idea being that uh, they've worked, you know, a lot of activists are working with women, but things aren't really changing fundamentally. And part of that is because it's the men that are the problem and the men need to sort of change. They need to change their attitudes and their mindsets and they need to uh, redefine masculinity. Mm-hmm. So Mahindraji and, 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 and Amit, that's, that's their work. And Ranjit, who's the father in the film, is uh, one of the people that's in the program, that's an enrolled in their program. And that's how I came across um, his story. I was actually following another story. And, wow. And, so and you just happened. like briefly just brought it up to you and you're like... No, it know, was how Amit. Was that process? Yeah, so it was actually, it was actually a, a meeting that Mahindraji was having with Amit and Amit told him that one of the men in their group um, in the villages that they were working with his daughter had been the victim of a gang rape and what was how was the time different the period between the crime happening and you actually getting on board and starting the the filming right away right away right away I mean within days really like the the the, the rape happened and within a few days 
we started filming with with the family. And uh, when you tried to tell them like we're gonna have cameras follow you around, did they understand what was going on, or did they did they give you any resistance to it? No. Um, you know the the thing with with Ranjit, um, he's a very intelligent person, and he also understood very quickly uh, that having a camera crew uh, following him around and uh, you know telling telling their story was going to help him in terms of the case because you know one thing that we're I think all of us are aware of is that the, the legal system in India is a very dysfunctional system and it tends not to work for the poor and Ranjit of course is is very poor so he he knew that having media attention on the case was actually going to be good for him and his family that's very interesting you've you've been in the documentary industry for a very long time and you have made a lot of documentaries in India but none of them have such a dark uh, subject matter I was wondering if going in did you did you prepare yourself mentally to deal with the with the subject with the cuz it's it's a, it's a rape of a child and and it could take a toll mentally on someone. So I was wondering if you prepared yourself what you were getting into. Um, well, you know the the last film that I made, which was called The World Before Her, yes, uh, also dealt with you know the oppression of women in India, and it dealt partially with female um, feticide and, and infanticide, and and also uh, you know Hindu uh, Hindu fundamentalism. Uh, so it's not that I'm not. Um, that I don't, that I haven't navigated really dark subjects before, mm-hmm. uh, or really problematic subjects, or, or painful subjects. Um, I have, but but this one, I think, yeah, like because it was a thirteen-year-old child, that was really hard, and it was very uncomfortable for me as a filmmaker uh, to sort of make peace with with what I was doing, you know, and, and and so, you know, one of the things that I that I never did is I, I never spoke to her about that night. I never Really I never never. I never talked to her about what happened. Um and uh you know, we were we were really, really respectful and she was never the focus of the film. The fil- the the focus was always her father, you know, because the film I was making was was one about masculinity. When when that changed the family, be, you know, it became more about the family and, and, and the family's struggle. But we were very respectful um, and very aware and very conscious of not re-traumatizing. How long did it take you to make this documentary? Eight years. Eight years. And how long did you spend time with the family? So I actually filmed for three and a half years because I was following not just Ranjit's story, but I was following the work of the activists, and I was following two young boys who were also part of these these right. groups. So it was I was actually, you know, in my in my mind, I thought that I would create a narrative with these three stories that were all kind of interconnected somehow. And once we got into the edit, it became clear after a couple of years of, of editing that really we had two separate films. You know, we, we just had way too much material yeah. for, for, for one film. You know, I don't know what the, I guess the ethics behind making a documentary is, but I wanted to know before you go, because you spent 
a lot of time with these people and you were in their homes, in their lives, followed them around and you knew the whole family. What ground rules did you put on yourself and your crew about how much you can get involved in their lives? Because even as I'm watching this, it makes me angry. It makes me want to shake people up and yell at them. And it makes me want to help him and give him advice, money, anything. So if you're in it, it must be really tough for you to not get involved. So I want to know as a, as a filmmaker, where do you decide how to get involved and how not to get involved? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's a really good question. And uh, it's never easy. Yeah. And this one was really tricky and really hard to to navigate. And there were constant conversations with the crew, um, you know, about how much to, you know, how much to support, how much to sort of pull back, you know, what is, how much are we impacting the story, how much are we affecting his life, um, her life, the community, you know, that they live in. We were really aware of the fact that, you know, it was like very like being a bull in a china shop yeah. you know like we we were very conscious of that so it was it was it was really really difficult and uh and you know there's obviously there's that moment in the film where it, it erupts right where yes. where we're, where the crew is is actually threatened um so it was really hard but uh you know the the one thing about being uh, a filmmaker in in terms of because I've I have filmed people who are poor uh, before, you know, not just in India, but in, but in Africa. And you have to, you have to be as dispassionate as you possibly can. Um, and not, and not give funds, because then the relationship changes, the relationship changes. And, and you, you have to be responsible you know, first and foremost to the thing that you are trying to, that you're trying to do and you're trying to say. And that's not to say that we, you know, we, we didn't um, support the family. Like we obviously, you, you did know. get involved in a sense, <coughs> to an extent. Because, uh, uh, yeah, as a, soon as you put a camera, as, yeah, as soon as you put a camera there, you pissed off a lot of people right away. But as soon as you put a camera in a situation and as soon as you start infiltrating somebody's life, and documenting their life, you're involved. You're it's you're involved. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's how it's it's how you navigate that process and you know how much to get involved and how much and that also changes. It's never you know, it's never consistent, right? Like you know, if, if there were times when um, for a very, very long time we did not uh, we did not give Ranjit's family any funds, like nothing, you know? Yeah. But eventually, I started to think that, you know, if we're pulling him away from his work in the fields to film with him, you know, to do an interview with him, um, then we have to give him something for his time, just as we would, a, a you know, if you're making a film about uh, a historical film and you interview an expert, uh, you pay them a fee. Right. You pay them a, you know, you, you, you give them something, right? It's an honorarium. And so we worked out, you know, with, with, with me and, and my producing partner, you know, we worked out something where, okay, like if we're, if we're taking his time, if I'm just in his house and I'm filming him, then, you know, we can't. But if I'm taking him out of his work because I need to interview him or I need to, you know, shoot him doing something, then you have to compensate the way you would an, right. an expert, you know. So that was the way we, uh, we justified it. And 
and we and we did it because there were times when um, you know, there was no food, right? So you know. I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, I I wanted I was watching yeah. it. I wanted to help out in any way I could. Um, so what is really interesting about the, watching this documentary, the experience that one has when watching this documentary, is that I'm coming from. I I grew up in Canada. I have this kind of Western state of mind, this concept of justice, rules, and laws. But as you're watching this documentary and you're learning about the village and how things work, you start to shed your Western state of mind and you kind of get sucked into the way they govern themselves in this community. So one concept, one thing that happened. I don't know if I'm allowed to give spoilers <laughs> or anything. One thing is that the community, the village, wants to kind of settle this thing in between themselves and keep it eternal. And one of the solutions that they come up with is that one of the rapists ha- can marry the girl and then problem solved and everybody is happy <clears throat> and obviously the father's like no and the victim is like no but it's it it, it kind of shows you that there's two systems of law happening at the same time and they clash with each other you have your justice indian constitutional law with your courtrooms and cops and all that stuff and then you have this village that kind of runs on its own and it was so hard to it was so hard to figure out what is the concept of what is right and what is wrong now because they have their own rules and their own system and and um, I don't know correct me if, the, if I'm wrong because what I took away from it is that this community priority number one for this community is survival and everything that they do and every decision they make putting survival on the top whereas the justice system just wants justice they don't really care about the survival of a village or a people so to so is that why because a lot of times when they are trying to uh convince the father to handle it internal is is for the sake of the community don't separate the community there needs to be peace in the community what is the significance of a community yeah that's is a, it for survival absolutely absolutely <coughs> and you know I'll, I'll 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 we'll start with that and then you'll we can just unpack yeah, please, the justice unpack system a, of, a, yeah. a little bit but um so yes i mean you know as we all know, right, as as um, sort of NRIs and people from, from the diaspora, the, f- the sense of family, right, in, in our culture, in our communities, we're, we're not an individualistic uh, people. You right. know, we are the, the most important thing is the unit, right? And so when you're in a, in a village, that family, that sense of family is, actu- is actually the whole village. Like you, you think of your you think of your village as as your family. It's kin, you know. And oftentimes they are actual family members, right? So, for example, one of the men who who raped her was her cousin. So, um, so it's very very important to have cohesion in these situations because that's how you survive, right? You need that social cohesion to to live in those in those uh, villages. So definitely they they wanted, in order to not sort of create a rift between people in the village, they wanted just to solve it amongst themselves, which makes perfect sense. You know, when you're thinking, when you, when you think as a unit and you think about what is the most important thing for this unit to keep thriving and to survive, it makes perfect sense, you know? Yeah, it does. I, it, it does. Like in their, in, 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 their, in, their, in, in their that way. system. Yeah. And in that tradition, in that culture, you get it, right? Yeah. Now, you you said that that the legal system wants one thing and and the villagers want another thing. It's actually not quite true. 
So there are obviously people in the legal system and, you know, the law in India, like laws all around the world, are obviously set up for justice and um, uh, to protect the rights of the individual. But the people within the legal system often come from um, the, they come from these cultures. And that patriarchal mindset, that kind of misogynistic mindset, is very deeply entrenched even in the legal system, in the police, in the courts, with the judges, um, uh, with the attorneys. So this idea of marrying her to her rapist is not unusual. And oftentimes there will be judges, lawyers that would advise exactly the same thing. So it's it's the the police, yeah. you know. It's it's not uncommon at at all, right? For the legal system to also take the side of the boy. And if I'm looking at it from a survival point of view, getting her married to one of the guys who raped her is basically solving this problem of her of her survival. Is that how they think like that? Is that or is it is is, is it a more of a like a, an honor thing? Cultural it's such thing. a it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing because. Um, well, you know, women are are seen as a burden in that society, yes. right? So, like, you know, and and there, that saying, you know, a, a daughter is belongs to another family, larki parai ghar ki hoti hai, right? She's she's not ours. She actually belongs to another family, and as the father, you know, as as Ranjit says in the film, um, if if I don't do this, I'll never be able to hold my head up. You know, it's like it, there's a stain on the family now. And he needed to protect her virginity. The most, the most important thing about, you know, her. I I would say women in in general yeah. for, and that's not just um, in our culture. It's also many other cultures. You know, um, the idea of her body, her virginity, um, that's something that a father needs to needs to guard. Right, like that's the most important. That's her prize in a way. Right, is is her virginity. It's her purity. Um, so it's 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 for the family honor, right? To to marry her to one of the rapists is to restore the family honor because who's going to want her now? She's she's used. That's that's what they think. It's not that she's been violated. That isn't. That's not what they think. It's that she is used. You know. Right. Um, you know, one of the most interesting characters in the documentary is the village leader. Mm-hmm who is he, his job is to protect the community but at the same time he is helping the father but he's very frustrated and venting and he he's kind of like stuck between two worlds to me he represented like this person who's kind of stuck between two worlds he would say one thing but he would do something else and he had a lot of venting and frustration and he was just really conflicted and and he's he looks interesting too. What um, can you tell me more about him? Yeah, yeah, he was he was he, really fascinating. He was, award member. I couldn't predict him, and suddenly, and and the father, who by the way, the whole throughout the whole documentary respects him, and and says that he's the most honest guy ever. And no matter how much that guy is cursing and and maybe even make and, and insulting him, he still like is believes like. Is is unconditionally believing that the village leader is going to do the right thing and stick to his word, and it's also fascinating from like because like you have all these systems and structures, 
But at the end of the day, the guy does what he says he does, and he does, like, if you kind of, like, microscope it, he did what he could do, and he did the right thing. So it was really, uh, I don't know, it was really cool to see this this guy. Yeah. he's he's. I, I found him... Um, I found him to be probably the most interesting character, you know, in, in the whole film. And like, he, you could make a film on him, you know. He was so interesting. And he's a politician. He's an elected official in his village. So he kind and he wants to be reelected, right? So um, he's, he's, and he's, the other thing that we didn't get into in the film actually is that him and Ranjit are best friends. They've known each other since they were children, right? Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so he's you know torn uh, between this loyalty to his to his childhood friend and keeping the peace um, uh, with with the villagers, and then also just the idea of votes, right? Like you know the the boys are three families, and all of the people that are on their side. And Ranjit is kind of on his own, right? And and so it's he also wants to keep his power. So right. it's it's partly becomes a bit of a, a power thing for him, because because you, you remember it, it it goes by really quickly in the film. But the ward member is the guy that says to Ranjit, um, "Go to the police. Go to the police now." Like he's the one that tells him to go to the cops, yeah. right? And and he changes. Um, over the course of the film, he he's changes conf- his perspective, and it's, it's political, and it's and he's conflicted. Exactly, he was, it's a really interesting, yeah. interesting he character was in a really tough situation. Very tough. Um, the there's a lot of toxic masculinity, and uh, you know, uh, what's the word? A patriarchy system going on, right? But I was really surprised. Uh, maybe not that surprised, but it was uh, eye-opening to see that the women f- are also. Uh, part of this system where they are blaming the girl for you know wearing a for being alone at night it's her honor you know it's her fault you know she's to blame and all these women were very uh convict conv- uh, had a lot of conviction in what they were saying because they're just like blaming it on her and just get her married to the, one of the rapists so how does how does toxic masculinity kind of spread into the women of the of the cultures because I was trying to figure that out with my wife when we watched it why are they doing that because they're women and they understand exactly what she's going through it's if you think about it um, if you're told from childhood and the whole and and an entire system and an an entire culture is telling you that you're inferior to men Mm. to boys that you don't matter as much that boys you know should be given freedom education you know girls should be uh, sort of, you know, they shouldn't be given the kind of same liberties. They should stay at home. They need to protect themselves. You know, if if you're taught that, you know, men and women, boys and girls, that's what you're going to believe. You know, so it's 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 the culture, right? It's got, it's it, and we're surprised because, you know, you automatically think, oh, they're women. They'll be more empathetic. Yes. They'll be more sympathetic. Yeah. They they're all sort of. They're all drinking the same Kool-Aid, right? So they were they were just as vicious. That was the surprising thing. That just as loud and vicious and confident. Um, you know, the father of the rapist gets interviewed for a bit, but none of the rapists were interviewed or talked to. Was that a? Uh, did you do that on purpose? No, I really wanted to. I really wanted to speak to them actually, and I really wanted to speak to the to the families of the rapists more. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't speak to me. Um, 
The boys, I went to see them in, in prison and to see if I could actually interview them and they refused. They they wouldn't give me they wouldn't give me permission. They did they didn't want to talk to me. And you know, I I tried sort of throughout the course of the filming and you know, even after at the end of at the end of the trial I I tried, but yeah. Did you have like a off the record conversation with them? Did no. you get an idea of what they were feeling and what they were thinking about? Oh, I knew what they were feeling and thinking. I mean, right, yeah. they were they they were really, they were really angry. You yeah, know? they were One angry. One of them was threatening the cameraman. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame them for that. To be perfectly honest with you, you know, I mean, I, I don't blame them for that. Me be- yeah, because because it is, uh, you know, regardless of what you think of them, <clears throat> um, they're still human, and you know, and and you're you're taking away. Uh, their rights, right, and and that's it's it's that's um, it's it's unethical, you know. So I could under I could understand their anger. I mean, just because they did what they did does not then justify us dehumanizing them or us right. um, not um, treating them with respect. That's very interesting. Yeah. I I don't want to give away the ending, but um, it's hard to see justice being possible because they were just like a product of their environment like if if mm-hmm. if you were to bring justice into the into this crime then you should take you know the father the parents the police that police officer who was useless uh the culture like there are a lot of people that are all involved in this and it's just not these three guys so i just didn't feel like i it felt very frustrating because this this is this is deeper than uh, than just a, a small just a just a rape crime, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean that's 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 it exactly. You know, it's like it's um, yes, they have to be held accountable, but it's so much bigger than yeah. you know than these three men, right? It's a system and it's a culture, and it's a country. That's That's been going on for centuries, and it's based on survival, so you can't even, like, um, like dehumanize it and, and blame on them because they're but not... But it's not based on survival. It's not based on survival? Not no. the the Not the not rape. <laughs> but that process of trying to figure out how to get justice without compromising our survival. Like, because they are, like, the bottom of the... They're at the bottom of the ladder. They're very vulnerable, um, I don't know how much help they get from the city or from outside, and and there's a police officer there, police officer there who's involved in the case, and he's completely useless, and it's as if like he doesn't care at all, and it and I think he represents kind of like how much help or how much seriously they're taken by the police institution, yeah. so they're on their own all this time, and now all of a sudden there's a camera in their face, and these social workers are coming from their educated backgrounds and their middle class families. And, and they know how to read and write. And they're coming in and they're trying to explain something. But but you just can't just explain something. You have to kind of help them get out of this vulnerable Blindness. situation. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I don't know. It's it really big. And I was watching, um, I watched Daily Crime season one. I don't know if you watched it, right? And they don't really go too deep. But it makes you think that this the, that the Daily Gang rape that happened in 2012 Mm-hmm. that all of those men that were involved in it must have come from a structure system, grew up in a structure system like this. And then they just kind of... 
Exactly. They were brainwashed in that sense. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. Of course, as individuals, you know, everyone has to take responsibility for their actions. Yeah. And you, you should never violate. You know what is harm. You know what causing harm yeah. is to another person. Yeah. And you, sh- you, you have to be held accountable for, for that. We all know the difference between right and wrong. Yes. So, so I, you know, absolutely those, those, those crimes and the people who commit them are accountable. Right. But the fact that it is so rampant and the fact that it is, you know, for me, there's like an epidemic of rape in that country. The fact that it exists in, in that way is because the culture allows it. So the culture is also to blame, and that system is also also uh, to blame. And if unless you change that system, nothing is going to change. That's that's fascinating because one of the one, the magical part of this documentary is that no matter how much you look at cultural and you talk about dissecting backgrounds, this that justification, whatever, right? At the end of the day, wrong is wrong, is right is right, and everybody involved understands that something was wrong was done. But it's just. The layers on top is what we're talking about, and, and we're exploring this with this documentary from both the the Western kind of state of mind, you know, the justice system, and the way they think and their frameworks, and 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 it just really it's like a roller coaster ride that messes up your head, and you come out and you're like you're not really sure how to what to do or what to, how to say it. So that's probably one of the best. Uh, I really enjoyed the documentary, and I'm probably my wife is probably waiting at home. You know, she wants the. She wants to know what you said because we've been like arguing, like why is this and this, and and it's it's very fascinating. Even I want to know. Uh, we're running out of time, but the last question I want to ask you is: What do you, the rape culture? One of our conversation topics was that like there's a rape culture in. Um, I guess you already answered it, but there's a rape culture in Canada and America, and we saw it with the hashtag Me Too. It, so there's rape is happening around us here, but it's just more prevalent in India because it's easier for them to get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's easier to get away with it and I think there is still um a sense a, a deep sense of male superiority yes. which doesn't exist as much here. Right. I think that's that's I true, think yeah. that, that's what it is. Um know? last question uh what do you any plan any future projects you're working on anything you're looking Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm finishing the part two of this, you There's know, a part which was, two. was a masculinity, you know, the original, oh, right, right, my right, original right, right. project, which was yeah. on masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm finishing that because I've got all this material. So so that's the, the next thing. Awesome. Uh, anything else you want to say or add in? No, it was a really great conversation. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, was, I, I think you had a brilliant <laughs> reading of the film, and I'm glad you got all of the complexity. We, we stayed up till like 3 a.m. talking about it. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't. I, I wanted to ask you how everybody is doing now uh, involved yeah. in the documentary, but I think that would give away uh, the ending. So I don't want to ask that question. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. So thank you so much for doing this. It thank was such so a much. pleasure. Uh, everybody should go see it. It's really really eye opening. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much.